Well, good morning, Genesis. Uh, thanks for coming out this weekend. Uh, great to be with you today. My name is Paul Mumaw, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it uh, and turn to Acts chapter 1, right in the middle of your New Testament. Uh, Acts chapter 1, if you're using one of the Bibles around the room on the floor, it's page 758. Again, if you'd like to follow along with us. Um, I don't know about you, I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think uh, of the word church, but it's probably a lot different uh, than the way those uh, first followers of Jesus in in the first century really understood this word. I I heard Andy Stanley explain this uh, for the first time, but uh, here's what happens. When we think of the word church, we tend to think place, right? Uh, We tend to think building. Uh, We think about the the service that I'm going to go to tomorrow, and so we'll say things like, you know, we're going to go to church tomorrow, or this is the the church that we attend, or where do you attend church? And so when we think about the word church, we often think place or building, again, the building that we go to. But the church, interestingly enough, at its inception, essentially was a movement. And it was a movement built around a conviction, really, a conviction that our Savior, Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross, that He was raised from the dead. And because of this, all people everywhere were invited to repent and to find salvation in Him. Uh, Look at it this way. In the New Testament, the word translated church is the Greek word ekklesia, all right? The Greek word ekklesia means an assembly or a gathering of people. In fact, if you uh, break the word ekklesia down into its uh, two syllables, uh, the word ek means uh, out of, the word kaleo means to be called out. And so uh, think of an assembly as a group of people that are called out around an idea. But here's what happened. Over the years, uh, something happened. I mean, what, what started out as a movement, again, based on a message or an idea, well, what happened was people started thinking of a, a church as more of a place. Uh, they started thinking of church as more of a building. It was a service that you attend rather than a movement. In fact, our English word that we use for the word church comes not from the Greek word ekklesia, but rather the German word kirka. Uh, which means place. Uh, it means a sacred place or a, a place where people gather for a religious uh, service or for religious purposes. And so I just want you to see that this shift in thinking uh, fundamentally changed the way that people related to the church, the church that Jesus had in mind. And so all throughout the Dark Ages and all throughout the Middle Ages, people went to church. Again, church was something you attended. It was an event that you sat through rather than a movement you were a part of. And so the church became an institution uh, essentially uh, around these ideas, uh, an institution that provided services. Uh, It was an institution that was controlled by powerful people and powerful people that used it to serve their own purposes. But then something awesome and incredible happened. Uh, God raised up a group of people that we call the Reformers, and one of the main Reformers was a guy by the name of William Tyndale. And uh, Tyndale came to the conviction that Christianity is a movement, uh, that this is what Jesus had in mind. And and he came to this conviction that if people were going to be devoted to the movement, well, then they had to understand the message. And in order to understand the message, they needed to have access to it. They needed their own Bibles. All right, they needed their own copy of the Word of God. See, up until this time, most of the Scriptures belonged to the church and were simply in the hands of of the priests. And so Tyndale's life work was devoted to producing the first translation of the Bible into common English. And as he did, every time in the New Testament that he came to the word ecclesia, he translated it congregation instead of church. 
Again, he was trying to emphasize that the church is not a place you go. It's not a building that you visit or look at or even a place that you attend. But instead, it's a movement that you belong to. Well, as you can imagine, this infuriated church leaders, especially this translating of the word of God into a language that people could understand. And so uh, the, these leaders felt like he was undermining their authority. And so eventually Tyndale was arrested. He was tried as a heretic. He was burned at the stake. And history records that as he was being burned at the stake, his last recorded words were, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of the king of England. And I'll just tell you this, that if you by chance happen to have a copy of the King James Version Bible, you'll see that God answered his prayer. Uh, He answered the prayer of Tyndale. And uh, I think that story uh, is just a wonderful reminder to us that the church is not a place. The church was never intended to be a building, but when it's working right, the church is a movement. It's a movement of people responsible for sharing the good news that Christ died, that he was raised to life, and that we can find forgiveness and freedom through a relationship with him. And I just hope that you know and realize that that's what we're after as a church. Uh, That's what we believe we've been called to as a church. We want our ministry to be about that message. And as we talked about last week, my hope and prayer is that every person here uh, will believe and understand that you have a part, every person that you have a part in sharing this message, this message of good news and hope with others. And so um, we're in the second week today of a series that we started last week, a series that we're just calling The Harvest. Uh, and what's the harvest? Well, it's the harvest that Jesus was speaking about. Uh, in places like John chapter 4, verse 35, when Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Uh, they are ripe for harvest. Now, I hope you realize that Jesus isn't talking about corn and soybeans here, all right? Uh, He's talking about people. And uh, when he says harvest, he's thinking about the process of bringing new people, of bringing new believers into his kingdom, or as we like to call it here at Genesis, helping people find their way back to God. See, uh, since day one, uh, 14 years ago, since the very beginning of this church, our mission has always been about helping people find their way back to God. Uh, It's the conviction behind everything that we do today. And as we think about the future, uh, and as we think about where we go from here uh, as a church, we've got this harvest that Jesus pictures, that Jesus has in mind. We have it on our minds too. And so uh, basically the goal of this series is is just this. We want to remind you of what we're about as a church, uh, but at the same time, I hope provide a picture for you of at least where we see God moving and where it might lead for us Uh, as a church. And so one of the things that we're learning uh, through this process is the importance of getting every person uh, involved in the mission. And uh, we call this disciple making. And disciple making is simply the process of of reaching new people, uh, leading them to faith in Christ, uh, helping them grow in their faith in Christ. And then our hope is then to release them to be able to go out and do that, to do the same uh, for other people. And so last week, again, we talked about how every person has a part to play in helping people find their way back to God. And if you missed that message, I hope you'll go to our podcast and check that out this week. But we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul gave us a word, uh, a job title really, if you will, for those of us who are followers of Jesus. If you were here, you remember that word, ambassadors. Paul said you are ambassadors uh, for Jesus. What does an ambassador do? Well, back in the first century, an ambassador uh, would live in a foreign land, and they had the responsibility of speaking on behalf of the emperor of the day. And so what Paul was saying is that in the very same way, you as you live your lives, you're serving as ambassadors for Jesus, all right? If you've trusted Christ with your life, 
You've been given this responsibility, all of us, that we serve as ambassadors for Jesus in this foreign place. Again, the scriptures say this world is not our home. But again, as ambassadors living in this foreign land, we represent Jesus to others. We've been given this ministry and this responsibility of helping people understand that you can find your way back to God. Well, just as Paul called us ambassadors, uh, Jesus used another word uh, to describe our role and responsibility as Christians, and that's a word that I want to look at with you today. Again, if you've got your Bibles, uh, in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, if you want to turn there right now, or maybe you've already found it, I want to look at just one verse uh, with you today. But before we do that, uh, let me just give you a little background uh, to kind of help you understand the context here. Uh, Forty days has passed since Jesus was raised from the dead. And during those 40 days, we know that he spent significant time with his disciples, but also spent significant time with others, maybe many of those that are with him here on this occasion. The scene is the Mount of Olives. Uh, Just outside of the city of Jerusalem, uh, Jesus is ready to leave. He's ready to go back and be with his Father uh, in heaven. We typically, uh, in the church, call this event uh, the ascension of Jesus. And and before he's going to ascend here, what Jesus is doing is he's going to share some final words with these disciples, with these early followers, those who are putting their faith and trust in him. And because they are his final words, we have to recognize that they are of great importance, And great of importance not only for the people then, but we believe as followers of Christ that these words are for us as well. And as Jesus was sharing them, he was speaking a mission and he was speaking a vision, again, not only into these people, but for you and me, even 2,000 years later here today. And so Acts chapter 1, verse 8, let's hear these words of Jesus. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Stop there for just a second. I want you to notice how Jesus personalizes this message for them. Again, he, he says, but you. All right, and I think that's just clear for us that Jesus doesn't have the Kirka church in mind. He's not talking about a place. He's not talking about a, a building, but, but he's talking to people. He's looking in the eyes of these men and women, and I think we need to see and understand that these very same words are for us, and if it helps you, personalize it for yourself if you would. I mean, hear him say, but you, Paul, all right, you know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus says, you will receive power. Now, the Greek word for power is the Greek word dunamis. Uh, It's where we get our English word dynamite. It's basically Jesus' way of saying that, hey, you're going to have the power to do this. You're going to have the power uh, to go out and to be courageous. Uh, Even as I go now, you're going to have the power. uh, It's coming on you, and it'll enable you to go out and to be able to share your faith uh, with others. You're, you're, you're going to have the power to go out and to speak truth you know, into others' lives. You're going to have the power to figure out how to navigate your way through this increasingly complex uh, culture that we live in today. You're going to have the, the power to, to live with conviction. You're going to have the power uh, to love the unlovable. You're going to have the power to share truth even when others say there is none. You're going to have the power to forgive. You're going to have Jesus says, the power to represent me to this earth. Jesus says, you will receive power. And when and how? Here's Jesus' promise. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when Jesus says Holy Spirit here, he's, he's referring to the very presence of God. And you need to understand that for the men and women that were listening in on this day and this message, this must have blown their minds. The possibility, the reality, the promise that the Holy Spirit would come. I mean, we... We can't really appreciate the significance of this. 
Uh, because for these men and women, they had grown up in a culture where the presence of God uh, wasn't something uh, to be experienced personally, really. I mean, you had to go to the temple. You had to be present for the sacrifices. This was something that happened by the way of the, of the high priest. See, the presence of God wasn't something that anyone could actually or really experience personally, only in some rare occasions. But now Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come and that he's going to take up residence in them and each of them. And there's another place... Uh, even before this, where Jesus talked about, he said, you know what, this is actually going to be to your advantage. Uh, in John 16, 7, Jesus said, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. All right, he was looking ahead to this day in Acts 1, 8. He says, unless I go away, the advocate, another word that he's using here for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But he says, but if I go, I will send him to you. Uh, some translations uh, actually state this as saying, it's to your advantage, Jesus is saying. That I go because if I go, I will send him to you and he will be with you and he will be in you forever. And just as Jesus had promised, uh, 10 days later from this occasion here in Acts chapter 1, 8, we refer to it as Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and entered the lives of all believers. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's the hope that we have today. Uh, that's the hope that you have for your life today. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, see, the, the, the truth is that when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, uh, you not only get salvation as wonderful and as awesome as that is, but you get the very presence of God in your life immediately and instantaneously when you surrender your life to Jesus. He, he comes in and takes up residence in you, and he is there to be uh, for you and to be that power and to be that faith and that courage for you in all things. And so Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, there it is. There's the word that we're after for today. Again, if Paul used the word ambassador last week, the word we're looking for this week is Jesus says, and now you will be my witnesses in this world. And what does a witness do? Well, a, a witness gives testimony to what they've seen. Uh, a witness gives testimony to what they've experienced. This is Jesus' way of commanding them to go out now, to go into their world, to go into their environments, and the people that they're going to interact with each and every day, he's commanding them to go and to speak about what God has done for you and what I've done for you and how your life has been changed forever. And that's what we've been called to as workers. Uh, that's what we've been called to as ambassadors. That's what we've been called to as witnesses for Jesus Christ. And then here's what Jesus does. He, he sets the expectation. He, he paints a picture of the possibilities that could come from this and every person living this out, every person playing their part and helping people find their way back to God. Again, Acts 1.80 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what does Jesus mean by this? Well, it's his way of saying that, you know what? This isn't going to end with us. It's his way of saying that, you know what? What we're talking about here doesn't stop with this circle. But now instead, what I'm doing is I'm sending you to go out as witnesses for me with this ministry and this message of reconciliation and to share it with others and to go into the various fields and environments that well, you interact with each and every day, ready to share the hope that you have in Christ and to stick there and to invest there and to invest in people. And as people come to Christ, train them up and release them so that they can go out and do the same for others. See, Jesus is painting a picture of the possibilities of multiplication 
and the effect and the impact that it can really have. And so with these words, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, you know, we may not quite understand it, but they sure did. But let me help you in that. I want to just show you a map again of what Jesus had in mind when he was sharing these things. Jesus said, you know, I want you to go and I want you to be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem. I think we've got a map here of Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus is talking about the city of Jerusalem, and so he says, you're going to be my witnesses there, but he says, you're also going to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and so, uh, or in Judea, and so think metro area, or think uh, the state really surrounding Jerusalem. Jesus said, again, not just in Jerusalem, but you're going to go out into the cities and the towns surrounding Jerusalem, and then he says, but a little farther out from there, I've got also in mind Samaria. Now, when he said Samaria, he was talking more about just a physical stretch. This was a spiritual stretch for people too because, well, this was the more difficult, more hostile neighbor to the north. And so there were great differences there between the Jews and these Samaritans. It's the place that no one wanted to go, but Jesus said, yeah, I've got them in mind as well. And then finally, he says, to the ends of the earth. And just like it sounds, Jesus just had in mind that every place that the good news hasn't yet reached, that's what I have in mind. And that's where I want you to be willing to take it. And so what we see is that as Jesus stands on this mountain with them in Acts 1, he's painting a picture, and he's predicting really how the gospel will advance across the globe, and he tells these followers, he tells these people, you're going to do it. You're going to take this message. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to go, and you're going to be my witnesses to all of these people and in all of these places. And interestingly enough, uh, this vision has provided for us really a great structure uh, when it comes to things like outreach, uh, when it comes to things like church planting. Uh, And if you've been around Genesis for very long, you've probably been here on a Sunday where you've heard us talk about our outreach partners like Food for Souls or Shepherd Community Center or Nehemiah Vision Ministries. And and maybe even thought to yourself from time to time, you know what, why do we do stuff like that? Or why do we send people to those places when there are things to do here? Why why do we partner with them? Or why do we send money to church plants? Or what, what does this even have to do with us? Well, here's what we've come to realize. People are dying faster then we can possibly help people find their way back to God, all right? And so that's why it's essential that we be willing to partner with people that we believe that God is putting in our path. And so that's part of what motivates us. And right here in central Indiana, but all over the world as well, there are these organizations that are also committed to helping people find their way back to God and in ways that we don't have the expertise. But what we do have is people. And what we do have is passion, And what we do have is resources. In fact, we make it our goal to give one-tenth of our total budget to outreach and church planting every single year. And what that means for you is that for every $10 that you give or invest here at Genesis Church, $1 goes right back out the door to serve one of our ministry partners, to help people find their way back to God in a local or a regional or global context. And so what I want to do with you for a few minutes, I want to just kind of give you a picture. Uh, In case you're not aware of some of those partners uh, that we're coming around as a church and some of the exciting things that are coming from it. And so if you would, let me give you a little summary of some of those partnerships today. 
Uh, the first one is Food for Souls. And Food for Souls is based out of Indianapolis. We spent a lot of time talking about their ministry in December. Uh, Food for Souls serves the homeless community in Indy uh, with unconditional love. They're, uh, they're, they're seeking to, uh, to provide the hope in Christ, to uh, meet the daily needs of those that they're ministering to, uh, and using resources to move people from a life uh, beyond hopelessness or homelessness. And so uh, one of the things that we do is we collect supplies every December. And a part of the work of this great ministry is they serve lunch at several different uh, homeless camps in Indianapolis every single Sunday, uh, all year long. And some of you have had the opportunity uh, to go out and serve with them. I'm excited to say that Genesis is going to be sending some teams each month for the next six months to help serve these meals with the hopeless or homeless in Indianapolis. Uh, another ministry is Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. And uh, the mission of Shepherd Community Center is to work with neighborhood youth and families. They've got a desire to break the cycle of poverty on the Near East Side in Indianapolis. They want to engage and empower the community there to cultivate healthy children. They want to help build strong families in a vibrant neighborhood through a Christ-centered uh, approach. Their, their ministry includes a school as well as uh, student, family, and neighborhood ministries. Uh, one of the things that we do, we'll start talking about this in March as we fill and pack food totes which help feed students in their ministry uh, during spring break. See, the challenge that many of their students face is that without school right now, they have little access uh, to food, uh, again, when they're out of school. And so Genesis, our church, gets to play a big part in making sure that no student goes hungry uh, during this time. I, I think our partnership with a ministry like Shepherd Community uh, points out that we don't have the expertise uh, to help break the cycle of poverty in Indianapolis, but Shepherd does. All right, and they're making great strides in this. And uh, here's one thing that you'll see in our ministry partners. Uh, we don't want to just partner with anyone where we simply send just money, but we want to come alongside of organizations with money, all right, and resources, but with people and prayer. And we want to work together alongside of them to help people find their way back to God. And so if this is the kind of thing that gets you excited, uh, even a ministry like Shepherd or others, I just want you to know that you don't have to wait for Genesis to announce the next event uh, that we're doing with them. But many of these, like Shepherd, already have so many serving opportunities in place right now for individuals, for groups, and for families. And you can go to their website and you can sign up to be a part of one of those great events. Uh, another partner is Young Life. Uh, Young Life in Westfield and Noblesville right now, their mission is to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and to help those students grow in their faith. Young Life does a fantastic job uh, of building relationships in our local schools. They've got a unique way of reaching kids that we sometimes can't reach as a church. And because we're all about helping students find their way back to God, we're excited to partner with Young Life right now, uh, especially in Westfield and Noblesville. Uh, a fourth partner is Restored Ministry, and this is kind of a brand new partnership uh, for Genesis. Uh, Restored's goal is to provide services, outreach, and education to young girls between the ages of 11 to 24 who have been victimized by domestic sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. And their ministry reaches far beyond just the city of Indianapolis. And I don't know if you saw it or not this weekend, but the Indy Star 
ran an article for Hamilton County, really, on the growing cases of sex trafficking and the restored ministry. Tracy McDaniel and her team were a big part of that story and some of the work that they're doing, not only in Hamilton County, but in the city as well. And so you're welcome to check out Restored uh, for more information. Uh, another that we talk about quite a bit is Nehemiah Vision Ministries as we think more globally. Uh, for Nehemiah Vision Ministries, they want to help the Haitian people uh, move from darkness to light, from hopelessness to eternal life. And NVM's ministry consists of churches and schools and medical clinics uh, and various programs. We've sent one to two teams a year for the past seven years, I think. We've got a team of uh, 20 uh, going next month. In July, we're going to be sending our very first team of high school students uh, from Genesis and those leaders uh, to go and serve. Another global partner is Opportunities Now. Uh, They're based out of Myanmar. Opportunities now exist to alleviate poverty and unemployment uh, in Myanmar by funding and mentoring small business owners. Uh, Several people from our church have gone to Myanmar over the past year. Uh, Brad Ward, Des Woodruff, uh, Michael Morgan went in the fall, Steve Wallen and Steve Davis are going here in a couple of weeks. And our plan is to send uh, two to three small teams a year in conjunction with other churches. And uh, this is just an incredible missions opportunity uh, for business-minded people with also a kingdom vision. And uh, maybe for those of you that are a little bit more comfortable with a calculator than a hammer, uh, Uh, potentially, but uh, participants with this ministry and on these trips uh, get to go and they get to help teach others uh, how to organize a business again and one with a kingdom impact. And then finally, uh, ICF Church in Albania. ICF stands for International Christian Fellowship. They're based out of Tirana, Albania, uh, serving a country that is less than 1% Christian. ICF is helping people find their way back to God. And not only in their church, But man, God has given them some amazing influence with people and churches throughout their country. Uh, There are churches popping up all over uh, this once communist nation. And I've been to Albania twice, uh, including a trip with nine others from Genesis uh, last November. I'll be going again in February to help teach as a part of a church planting conference that ICF is hosting where they're expecting over 100 church leaders uh, from Albania. And our hope is to send a team from Genesis uh, this October, October 20th to 30th, if that's something uh, that you're interested in or would like to be thinking about, uh, this team is going to go and work with ICF, but also some others from the states uh, to help provide English classes to college students uh, right there in the city. It's one of their biggest outreach events uh, of the year, and we'll get some information out on that trip uh, very soon. Here's the point. Here, here's the point in sharing uh, these with you. I, I, I just want you to catch a glimpse of some of the exciting partnerships that we have and that we're developing. And again, our goal is to be able to support these uh, partners financially, but we also want to have a reciprocal relationship with them, a relationship where we learn from them, all right, and we support them, and they're able to do the same for Genesis. And uh, with uh, some of these partners, there are some great opportunities to serve right now. I will tell you, for some of these partnerships, we're really just getting started with them But no matter who it is, I'd like for you even now to begin praying or uh, I just want to invite you to to pursue some of these partners on your own. We provided those websites there for you. I want to point you to our website, the Genesis Church website. If you follow outreach there, you'll be able to see a list of these partners and their websites. And here's the real win. We plan events to kind of open the door for you and for Genesis with the partner 
these things like food drives, but the real win is when you get connected there and the Lord moves in your heart and you start investing there and spending time in there. Uh, that's when the real win happens. And so if you've got questions about getting involved, please feel free at any time to send an email to info at genesischurch.me and we'll help you in next steps. One more thing quickly that I wanna point out to you, another area where we see God working and moving right now, it has, it has to do with church planting. And as I mentioned last week, you know, over the years, the Lord has provided some great opportunities for Genesis to partner with other churches in planting churches. We, we helped plant Jeff Smith, the former pastor here in Genesis Church, West Plains, Missouri, back in 2008. Uh, we helped plant and continue supporting Josh and Heidi Tandy uh, with Movement Church in Newport, Kentucky. Uh, we've had the opportunity to give financial church, uh, gifts to other church plants uh, in this community and region even over the past six months. And for the last six years, we've been involved as a church uh, with an organization called New Thing. Now, when I say New Thing, think church planting cheerleader. And uh, it's really been a privilege to be a part of New Thing. Their strength really is in helping churches go multi-site which they helped us in doing when we launched our Carmel campus, but they've also got a lot of strength when it comes to planting churches. And so we contribute financially, uh, annually, to New Thing as a way of supporting church planting really all around the globe. They, they've got a goal right now to plant 10,000 churches uh, as a movement by 2020, and their goal is to do that uh, through a series of networks. We have the privilege of being a part, uh, of being on the front end, really, of a brand new network here in Indiana that I've been asked to lead. And uh, this Indiana movement is currently made up of eight churches uh, from communities like Noblesville, Carmel, Bloomington, Kokomo, Logansport, and St. John. And we're just getting started, you know, as we're meeting together as leaders and pastors and praying, and we're praying and we're talking and dreaming about how we might be able to start a movement all throughout the state of Indiana when it comes to church planting. We're asking questions like, how could we do this together? Like, what are the resources that God has blessed this church with and that church with? And can we come together? Can we think strategically and prayerfully about how to plant more churches together, how to plant more churches, identify different regions and communities around Indiana right now where maybe there's a need for a new church? And so like outreach, church planting is another area where we see God moving and uh, bringing some things together. And I don't know for sure right now where it's going to lead, but I got to tell you, I love the idea of Genesis investing prayers and people and resources in new churches all around Indiana. And I love the idea of when we do this in partnership with other churches. Uh, I think it really gets God in, uh, God's attention when his churches, when his people are working and thinking together. And so, again, only knows where God knows where this is going to lead and how it might involve some of you and what even today the Lord might have in mind for you. And I love the thought that we might be able to teach and train other church planters and churches what we're learning about disciple making. I love the thought that one day some of you might feel called to go and to be a part of a new team, to be a part of a new church. And we're going to send you out to do that. There are going to be some opportunities in our future to do that. We'd also like to be a church that brings church planting residents on staff with us for six months to a year. I mean, how cool to think that we could bring a team of people on staff and help prepare them and share with them before they go out and to start something brand new. And so I hope that helps a little bit. Again, just to give you a picture of what we're doing, again, where we see God moving and where it may lead from here. And to the question of why do we do it? Again, why give and invest in these things? We're all about the harvest, right? And that's what Jesus called us to. 
that we would be about helping people find a way back to God and to give our lives to, to things that really indeed can have a kingdom impact. And so we're striving to be obedient because this was a command of Jesus. He told us to go out and to make disciples. He asked us to go out into the fields and be about the harvest. Look, look back, if you would, for just one moment to John 4, 35 again. I want to call your attention to one other word that Jesus mentions here. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. If you've got your Bible open, you might circle that word fields there. You know, again, when Jesus said the word fields, he was just imagining anywhere you go, any person you come in contact with, the people that you encounter each day. I'd like to ask you this morning what where or what your field might be. Where is it Jesus is calling you to invest? Who are the people that he has in mind for you? Maybe even the people that come to your mind today. And Where might they be? What field might they be spending most of their time in? As you think about that field that God might be calling you to help people find their way back to God in, you know, maybe for you, I mean, once, maybe it's one of those ministry partners that I mentioned today. I mean, that, that certainly counts as, well, one of the fields. I mean, maybe for some of you, it's a, a place, again, where you spend most of your time, whether that be your neighborhood. Your field might be your school right now. Uh, your field might be that team you're a part of. Your, your field might be that dorm you live in or uh, the place where you work. And I do want to say this. I know this can feel a little overwhelming at times, and we talk about getting involved in things like outreach and investing in your neighbors and serving here on a Sunday and uh, being a witness to, uh, to your coworkers. And, and, well, what about the connection group that you lead and the parents on your kid's soccer team? And, well, if you're a really good listener, all right, I know that maybe your desire, your hope is to be obedient in all these things, but isn't it true that sometimes it can look a little like this when you think about the fields that Jesus is calling us to? We have that slide, Kyle. There we go. That there are so many places and there are so many opportunities to encounter people. And I have only so much time. And so how can I possibly reach all of these? You know, if you're not intentional, you might end up harvesting a bit out of one field and then harvesting a little bit out of another and then a little bit out of another. And I'm not in any way discounting that we, as we go, should be making disciples in anything and everything. But I would like to get you thinking about one field or one place, and even as you think about 2017, maybe a place where you give even more time and more prayers and more attention. In fact, maybe there's one person in one of these fields, in one of these environments of your life where you give more time and more prayers and more attention. And where might it lead? And what might God want to do through you? I want to share with you the story of one person from Genesis and how he's found a field in his work. Check this out. Several years ago, we started a business. Uh, it's called Factor, and we do sales and marketing tools for manufacturing suppliers. Through this time, we've really been able to do uh, build relationships with people and identified that uh, uh, God has a harvest field in manufacturing and we're uniquely positioned to be workers in that harvest field. We provide uh, a service of value so through that we've established relationships and through the relationships we've uncovered that we really get to know people on a personal level. 
All our members have uh, one-on-one meetings together and we, uh, uh, part of the one-on-one meeting is to ask them what they care about um, and or, or what their purpose is. And when uh, you ask other people that, naturally they're gonna return, ask you, okay, what do you care about? What is your purpose? And that's a perfect chance for us to share the hope that we have in Jesus. After you share your own testimony, they're naturally gonna come back and say, well, I'm a Christian too, or I believe in Jesus too, or that's great. <laughs> and they'll just kind of change the subject and move on. And, um, and if we find their loss, then we, we pray for them. And we, some people we feel led to be intentional with, and some people we don't. We have a passion for the Great Commission because others have invested in us and we know we can't repay them. And uh, uh, so one of the ways that we uh, can live that out is in the, the marketplace that we've been called to and, and for us that's manufacturing. So Caleb has identified his field, and he's praying, and he's given his life, he's investing in others, he's sharing what Christ has done in him with the people that he comes in contact with. You've got a field too. There's something the Lord has in mind for you today. He's got a place in mind where he wants you to give your time and your energy and your prayers to help other people find their way back to God. What's that field for you today? Would you be willing to pray and ask the Lord what that field is that he might have in mind for you if you're not sure what it is? For some of you, I think you probably, you've got no doubt where that field is or who that person is, who those people are that he's called you to. One more time, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And who does he have in mind? He's got each of us in mind. He has you in mind. And to where and to what extent? Ah, to the ends of the earth, he says, in everything that you do. Can we be a church like that? Would you be willing to live your life in that way? Every person playing a part in helping people find their way back to God. Let's pray together. And maybe that's a commitment you're ready to make today. Maybe you're already responding to the Lord even as you sit in your seat here this morning. And I want to challenge you, if you would, just to be as bold or courageous enough to pray, Lord Jesus, you can use me. I'm ready and I'm willing. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs. For some of you today, maybe you don't know what that field is. You don't you're ready, you're hungry for more, but maybe you just see the confusion of trying to do too many things. And maybe you want to pray and ask the Lord today to kind of illuminate something, a, an area, an environment, a person even for you, that you can give your time and your energy, someone that you'll be praying for, an area of your life that you'll be praying for. And as we pray, you know, what level of commitment are we supposed to have? Well, it's interesting, that word witness is the same word for which we get our English word martyr. And so what's Jesus getting at with this? He's basically saying, I want you to be willing to give everything, even if it means your life, for this message. 
that people can find their way back to God. And so, Lord, that's the commitment we're after. And I know I realize that that's a work that only you can do in me, but I pray and I invite you, Lord, to do that work in my life just as I pray and invite you to do that same work in others. Lord, we want to be about the harvest that you've called us to and to go into those fields that you're leading us, Lord. We want to be obedient to your command. Will you help people find their way back to God through the ministry of this church? We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.